Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we enter into your presence, leaving our cares behind. We bring with us a sense of urgency and expectation that we meet you in this space. So this morning, as we do so, let the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So bullying, bullying was one of those things we did as a family when I was growing up. I remember my mom and dad uh, were in different leagues. My mom during the day with other uh, friends, women's league, uh, her other women friends, and my father in the evening. They had those, they sported those funky little bowling shirts that had their name embroidered on them, right? And, and I was on a league in Saturday morning to learn how to bowl, and my grandmother, my grandmother, well, she was the bowler. She actually, I'm going to brag a little bit about her, she was a U.S. champion bowler in the amateur ranks for the 70 and older division. Yeah. She had collected pins from all around the United States, and she had put them on a board for all of us to, to see and to live into that that legacy, if you will, about her bowling. So when I learned how to bowl, um, what they did with kids is they gave them a very light ball, and often the, the adult would stand behind them or around them or beside them and teach them how to throw the ball straight down the lane. The lane was yay wide, and in order to keep you in the line between one side of the lane and the other to hit the pins at the end of the alley, there was a gutter. Well, when I was growing up, that gutter became the place that most of us learned how to stay out of because I was in it a lot, right? But then eventually what we learned was that that caused frustration and despondency. And so by the time I was raising my kids, they had learned how to deal with that gutter. And so they had this, this bowling aid that was like a, a big old long tube balloon that they would put bumpers, if you will, in those gutters so that when that child threw that ball, if it veered off, it would keep it in the lane and hopefully hit a pin, right? And by the time my grandchildren came along, um, uh, what had happened about those, those bumpers is that you couldn't take them out between bowlers. So it always irritated me because I was used to seeing the gutters. So, but by the time the grandchildren came along, they had invented this contraption like the rails on the side of a hospital bed. They would go in, down when you didn't need them, and they would pop up and be a guide for the bowler who needed them, okay? And then by the time my youngest grandchild came and we took her to teach her how to bowl, there was also another guide, this, this thing called a ball ramp. And it was about her, she had to learn how to line that ramp up, put her ball on the top and push it off so that it had momentum to make it down. All of this is about borders about boundaries, if you will, about following the straight line towards the goal of the pins. The Israelites knew all about boundaries. 
They knew all about following orders, if you will. They lived in Egypt where they were told exactly when to get up, when to eat, when to work, when to worship if they worshiped at all. There was very little freedom or agency in their world to choose how to live out their life. Instead, everything was bordered and boundaried by the rules of the Egyptians. And so when, when Moses came and took them out into the desert, they found themselves wide open without any boundaries, without any borders, without any guides. And, and all of a sudden, they found themselves lost, and they found a, it was a hard time living in this lane that had no gutters in it. And on top of that, their leader, Moses, was hardly around. Even Moses couldn't give them guidelines. Moses seemed to spend a lot of his time up on that mountain that shook from time to time or had the smoke from time to time. And it was up on that mountain when one day Moses heard from God. And God speaks all these words, we're told, all these words about boundaries. This story is found in Exodus, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 17. Listen now to what God tells Moses on that mountain. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the inequity of parents to the third and fourth generations for those who reject me but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. Your, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien residents in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male, or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of God for the people of God. 
to God. So we have been in this Lenten uh, study worship series called Decluttering. And, and it's a focus on how do we declutter our, law, our hearts so that we can lean into, recognize, and accept the covenants, all the promises that God offers us so that we might deepen our relationship with God as we declutter the things that distract us in our lives. And so you might be saying, why are we reading the Ten Commandments? Aren't they simply a set of rules, boundaries to live by? Well, most of us don't like those boundaries. We don't like rules. We've all had to experience way too many of those rules in our society over the last year, things that have made us a little uncomfortable. But what all of us realize is that usually these rules are good for us, right? like the boundaries our parents put in our lives as a child to teach us how to get along with one another, how to be successful citizens in our community. We know that even though we don't like those limitations and those boundaries, we know that they are good for us. And really, when we think about the Ten Commandments, they, they shape up to be those kinds of things that help us learn how to be in, in community with one another, whether we call ourselves Christians or Jews or anything else, they become those principles that help us be the best people we can be. Now, some of these are easier than others. We have to acknowledge uh, most of us find it wonderful to say, love our God, love our parents. We find it easy not to murder and and easy not to steal. Some of them are a little harder, like this one about idols and graven images. Not that we are the kinds of people that go out and, 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 and fine-tune ourselves some kind of little altar with a graven image on it and bow down and worship to us. But what we realize, if we really pay attention and we have a knack for noticing, is that when we sacrifice and give something up, like when I give up chocolate during Lent, I realize very quickly what those idols are in my life. They get in my way of having a full and complete relationship with God, but not, and, and also my neighbor. And then there's this one called Keep the Sabbath. Man, that one's really hard in our modern 24-7 world that we all live in where it's hard to even define what Sabbath means, let alone figure a time when we can keep it, resisting the temptation to not work on that day, to lean into finding a time to worship God for one entire day when really we should be worshiping God every single day. So why is this passage about the Ten Commandments in our Lenten series as we learn to give up and sacrifice and walk that journey towards the Passion and Easter? Well, maybe it's because it's about limits. Limits that we're willing to take on during this time of self-reflection, this time of self-limiting, and devotion, but then maybe 
Maybe it's not about limits at all. Maybe, what if it's about a God that says, I'm not limiting the behavior of my people who are lost and struggling with their identity to be God's people, but maybe what God is doing is defining us. Defining us into an image that God has for God's people and how we live with one another and love one another. What if it's not about boundaries at all, but it is rather a gift, a gift that shapes us into an unimagined love for God and for one another? What if these are descriptions of the kind of people that we can choose to be? If we look at it that way, let's re-examine all these words that God spoke to Moses that helped form us to who we are today. A Hebrew teacher, scholar, suggests that perhaps we should not be translating these words as thou shall or thou shall not, but more as descriptors, a descriptors of how we might experience life as God's people. They would go something like this. We are the people who have one God. We are the people whose God, whose whose God's love is steadfast in our lives. We are the people who keep that God's name holy in everything we do. We are the people who keep one day for God alone. We are the people who don't steal, don't kill, don't bear false witness, but rather we are the people who love and honor our family and our neighbors. This is just the people who we are, as well as the people that we're not. God is not asking us to do these things so that God will love us. That's not how our God works. That's not God's nature. Instead, God is saying, my love for you will shape you into these kind of people, this kind of community, this kind of community that you will find in the kingdom of God. God is asking us to take on these kind of boundaries, these lines, these lines with gutters in them, these boundaries that shape and form us. God is asking us to take this with us everywhere we go into the world, to use these descriptions of who we are as God's people and to begin to tear down the barriers that separate us from one another and ultimately destroy us. As we take these barriers into the world, we learn to redefine who our neighbor is. Jesus helped us redefine our neighbor. Our neighbor is the one that doesn't look like us, the one that doesn't catch our attention necessarily, the one who makes us uncomfortable, or the one whose very existence seems to challenge us every time we turn around. These neighbors is who Jesus died for. Same way Jesus died for us. And so this Lenten season, as we learn to declutter our hearts, let us look closely to the lines that God draws in our lives. 
God draws these lines so that we can live well in this life. But also God draws these lines so that we can recognize the kingdom. So that when we get there, we know we're there. All of these words, God said, all of these words draw a picture that sees beyond our vision and sees a vision that God gives us. Thanks be to God. Amen.